John Podcast Network. Thank you both for coming by to complete the trilogy. The prophecy has been fulfilled. We knew it would be. Yeah, we knew this was coming. Somehow Palpatine returned. Yes, somehow. <laughs> oh, man. This is... I, I mean... I, I told you all, after we did the first episode, I was like, man, I'm so high on this episode. It was so good. It's better than I remembered. Yeah. I liked it so much more. I want to watch the other two. And I watched the second one, and I was like, that's pretty good. It's yeah, more, it's pretty good. It's more of an yeah. action movie. It's mm-hmm. not, you know. And I was like, all right, cool. I remember, like, in the third one, that was on TV a lot when I was a kid. I was like, I have fond memories. I put that on, and I was like, this is atrocious. <laughs> it's something. If you had asked me before that rewatch earlier this year, what is the plot and how does the movie go? I would say, uh, I think it's smuggling money through, like, legally not Disneyland, and yada, yada, yada. There's a big fight on one of those, like, parachute rides, a mm-hmm. big action sequence. That's that, not wrong. And that would be how the movie ends. No. no it's not how the well, movie ends. That happens not, no. 20 yeah. minutes in. Yeah. I mean, that's most of the plot. But that might as well be it. Dude. There's like six climax points to this movie. Do you regret saying climax points? Only to you. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's, that's worth five. I have juicy goss about this film. The tea? Ooh, I do. I have the tea about this film. I'm ready. Thanks to Brian Bierman. You know, you can't just keep dropping his name on my episode. He, we work in the same <laughs> building. He was like, oh yeah, here's a kind of a related thing. And he looked it up and he sent me the thing and I read it and it's really something. We'll get there though. It's about Excellent. the relationship between Eddie Murphy and the director of this film, uh-huh. John Landis. Well, okay. Hello, excellent humans. Jump right into it. Look at us go. Yeah. Because we have a lot to talk about. I know. And, and it's it's not the movie. It is our third rodeo. It is our third rodeo. And, you know, I have to say that I was real jealous of some of these episodes I've listened to recently where the Martin Short Train didn't even make an appearance. Oh, yeah, no. It runs on its own schedule. It needs a, uh, you know, like a Ringo or a George Carlin to... Shining Time Station. I, yeah, I get, okay. get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wasn't sure if that was clear. <laughs> Abundantly. <laughs> was, uh, there's a chance you were like, I think he's having a stroke. No, you're in the right <laughs> room. This is, this is the audience, yeah. Now, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3 was the one that was on TV all the time when I was And it a kid. still is. It's on Pluto it constantly. Is, yeah. Really? Just the third one? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah but yeah. for some reason, for me, 12-ish when this came out, 10, 12 years old, when this would be on TV. Yeah, that's about right. This movie ended after the... The scene on what they call the spider, but in my head it's the parachute ride. Eighteen minutes in. Yeah, about twenty minutes, and I was like, "We're already at the park!" Like when they (laughs) when they arrived at the park, I went, "What?" We watched it on Pluto. Basically, the whole movie's in the park. Yeah. Except it does a thing I hate. I hate. There's two things I hate in just like story movie structure, not story structure, but movie structure. Where one thing I hate is it's the third act. Let's go to a totally new location we haven't set up at all. 
mm-hmm. where it's like what like it's not like oh we were looking for this place or we have to find where blank happened or something like it's none of those it's just like we do two-thirds of a movie like at the town library and then the third act they're like let's go to the waterfall and i'm like what it has nothing to do with anything hate that that's just a way to boost your like wow factor the spectacle like oh what a big ending this is gonna have so this doesn't do that but this does the like we have like three four locations and we just keep going like go to one go to a new one go to a third one back to the second one okay now back to the third one now back to the first one back to the second it's just they got like, their money's worth out of those three set locations it just like bounces around and i'm like this could have been written in a more streamlined fashion like, yeah like eddie murphy keeps escaping basically being murdered in front of people at what's legally not disneyland uh-huh. and then he just like goes to a random place and has a very important conversation for the plot and then just goes back there with no plan really yeah we watched it on pluto okay so there were commercials right after the spider scene yeah the first commercial loaded and it was 18 and a half minutes in <laughs> yeah. 18 and a half because i took note because i was yeah. like this is escalated quickly when i rewatched this at the beginning of the year and we got to that scene i went this happens now mm-hmm. i was already surprised that they were going to the park already but it starts with him not being able to get in i was like oh maybe they keep him out and then he doesn't actually he get in back. till the end no. and i was like okay that makes sense and then he gets in i was like okay and then that happens. And I like paused it downstairs watching it. And I was like, we're 20 minutes in. I was like, I could have, if you would ask me, this would be, I, this is the end of the movie. Yeah. It's just one of the several botched storylines. Right. In- oh yeah. I forgot to mention uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3 is a short. <laughs> it should be. It, it should could be. be. It could be. There's not a lot of anything here. They could mm-hmm. genuinely have cut this in half. Oh yeah. And that was part of why we came late. I was like, we'll have plenty of time. We decided to run some errands this morning. I was like, we'll get back at the house around 3.30 or so, throw the movie on. It's not long. He cues it up and he went, this is over two hours? And I was like, no. With with uh, commercial breaks? and Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure. Because it's yeah. already almost two hours. Uh, hour 44. Yeah. Which with I was commercial like, breaks, it was what, like 2.15. Two and, 20 minutes. and I was like, we're going to be late. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it's so thin. This is not going to be an episode where we go like, and here is the capital T problem, capital P, with Beverly Hills Cop 3. There's not one. No. There's so many problems with it. And like researching it, I was like, why is why is this? Why is this thing? Why is it like this? Why whatever? I kept finding like, oh, it's Eddie Murphy's fault. And then I'm like, mm, it's not. I mean, it is, but it's not just his fault. And like, it's John Landis's fault. Or it's their relation. I mean, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think John Landis is a poor choice, but that's beside the point. I just don't think it's a good fit for the tone. Well, I get the impression that everybody just kind of phoned it in. Like yeah. it didn't. I didn't feel like, oh, that's not really Axel Foley. I mean, it's Eddie Murphy. Yeah. But I'm not watching him do Axel Foley. No, like, no. There are there are moments, but there are moments where he gets close. close. Thank you. Yeah. The yep. absolute best part of this whole movie is just one scene. Okay. Serge. Uh huh. Yep. Serge. 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 Well, I will say Serge. Sounds is like try, a detergent. Try saying Serge. It's not that hard. I'll say, you I'll say, say Serge. It sounds like a detergent. Dude, he is he is great. Oh, my God. He, like, really plays it up, too. I'll amend yeah. that to two scenes because he makes a comeback in the end. That's uh, true. When uh, he yeah. makes the uh, flashing keychain go off. Or the illuminated oh, keychain. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What is that called? Uh, um, stunner. The stunner, stunner. keychain. Mm. That whole scene with him. Keychain. Okay, giant. Everything he says is like in his brain processing uh-huh. as he's saying it. He's like, I know what vowel sound this is supposed to be. Yeah, and like, I'm going to swap it for a different one. Right. Um, I I loved watching it with captions. Oh yeah. Because when he says orgasmic, he says orgasmic, orgasmic. and they type it out like it's orgasmic. Yeah, they did it. 
Achwell had a couple. Achwell had yeah. a couple, like, and it was uh-huh. never the same. He says it like three times, maybe yeah. in that little scene, but it, they never spelled it the same in the in the subtitles for me. But they were trying, <laughs> which I appreciate the effort. And uh, he's talking to Billy, and he's like, "Billy is a quiche, and I want I want you to have it as a gift." <laughs> So he hands funny. it to him like so shy. It's adorable. <laughs> and that is that's that's a great scene. Well, and the most absurd yeah. with all the TVs and like yeah. the, the women holding what is it called the whatever the Annihilator two thousand yeah, that's right. it oh whatever two thousand Annihilator so yes oh my god so funny so here's the one thing part of the problem with this movie is Eddie Murphy uh huh so you know the original Beverly Hills Cop came out ten years before this oh I should say. Hello, excellent humans. Welcome to another episode of Hate Watch. Great Watch. I'm your host, Hunter Bush. With me is my special co-host, Tina Dillon. And our guest today, Michael Charlton. Your fifth time. Is it five? Is it my, oh, yeah. yeah. Mikey five times. Five. Oh, how many Michaels? How I, many I, oh, Michaels? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I should have. I should have. Uh, you got, I got it. <laughs> you're going to play the song, too, right? I am going to play the song. <laughs> all right. Well, you have to. We're going to do it all today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. That's why I'm here. Yeah, so this is our third time. We are rounding out the trilogy. We did the first one at the beginning of the year, and we were like... This was fun. This was a fun movie to talk about. We should do the other two. Mm -hmm. And here we are, wrapping it up near the end of the year. How did this do reception-wise, like in the theaters? and and... It didn't do great. It has an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. It feels like a a direct-to-video. Yeah, it does. It has the feeling of, like, the the budget looks like it. uh The production value looks low. I've watched this more times than I'd care to admit. I've probably seen this one the most of all three of them. Yeah, I've seen it a lot. It seems like it's the most available, just because, like... Nobody cares. Nobody cares. (laughs) Right, yeah. Like, nobody's going to... Yeah. Like, come after you for anything. I think it just went kind of right to... I, I saw it on probably HBO. That would be my guess. And I think it was just like, it's cheap. Just buy it. Show it as many times as you want. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure HBO at that time was like, oh, what do we want to put on between, like, some, you know, like, Twister? Oh, Twister. <laughs> Twister, actually, it's probably, like, two years after hey. this, but... I think Twister's 96, but, and that's a great movie. But they're like, what do we want to put on between that? And Night of the Twister. And, no, and, like, probably boxing. <laughs> like, Night of the Twister? You don't know that? Uh, it's I don't a know. Devin Sawa movie? Oh no, young Devin Sawa. Oh yes. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a whatever. I guess we call him Stans, right? That's the only. Well, he is a Stan. Right, exactly. Yeah, That's so the yeah. only, like, only appropriate name for Devin Sawa fans is Stans. Stans. Yeah. yeah. Wow, we're so young and youthful. I know. We're in touch. <laughs> Look at us. We're in touch with the youth. Finger on the pulse of society. <laughs> durka, durka, durka. Well, what the can't. fuck is that? That's uh, when um, I'm old again. <laughs> when uh, Doctor Evil. <laughs> Dr. Evil saying, I'm hip, I'm cool, oh, I'm right. with it. And then he does the Macarena because like, uh-huh. durka, 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 durka. Uh, Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. But yes, Beverly Hills Cop 3, released in the year 1994, directed by John Landis, rated R. <laughs> Why? Uh, let me check well, my notes. Well, there were a lot, of, a lot of language thrown around, I think. That's probably it. There Too many was. F-words? A lot of motherfuckers. Yeah, there was a yeah, lot of like casual like, swearing. There's not even any nudity in this one. The no. other ones had nudity. Yeah, there was some like bare just, breasts. Yeah. I think it was just violence. It was actually kind of violent. I gotta uh, say, like some of the like, scenes that like Ellis was in. They weren't aggra- uh, like they weren't gory. No, but lots of shooting. Yeah, and like gratuitous. Yeah. Like all three of the uh previous one they had all been r so maybe it was just tradition maybe they're like oh we'll get the r-rated comedy you know action comedy back there's not even any boobs though no there's no there's no sex no like implied or otherwise no there is implied sex like the last line of the movie oh the tunnel of love Yeah. yeah right she has there's another line too they flirt pretty hard yeah where he was like how long has it been closed? The meaning, uh, f- meaning happy forest or whatever. Right. And she goes, too long. 
And he's like, no, the forest. And he, that's, I mean, I'm not saying Eddie Murphy is bad. I'm saying he's giving a bad performance as Axel Foley. He's good in that moment because he yeah. like he sees what she is saying that she probably didn't mean to say. It, and he kind of goes like, no, nah, I mean, There's not, a, he's like, not your vagina. There's <laughs> so many moments where I wanted him to lean into like full Axel Foley. Yes. And he just gives like everything's half masked. Let me start with, like I said, this is partially Eddie Murphy's problem because in the intervening years hold on let me get to the edge of my seat oh yes <laughs> please do you can hear me best from there uh in the intervening years between i guess between the second and, and this the five or six years before they started production on this or talking about this eddie murphy became very jealous of the careers of mostly wesley snipes to a lesser extent denzel washington he figured the three of them were roughly the same echelon like as far as the kind of movies they got pitched and he saw Wesley and Denzel getting jobs, playing cool guys, not having to be silly and not having to like clown around and being serious. And it, it isn't even like a serious movie. Like, oh, they got they got more like dramatic roles. It's mm -hmm. that they got to be cooler. OK, that's kind of like his whole thing. So he was like, I'm not going to be funny in this one. I want to play this one straight. No. Yeah, that was like one of his. And I was like, that's crazy. I don't know where in the process this decision was made known to producers and uh -huh. whatever so i don't know if that affected how they hired or whatever so then they got john landis who is a baffling choice so okay john landis had already done american werewolf mm -hmm. in london which is great it's a classic and then he did the twilight zone movie where famously he killed two kids and a guy do you know this story i didn't even know there was a twilight zone movie yeah there is and it still got released but this part of it was cut out because uh, it's not faces of death they were filming in, I, I want to say, it's a Vietnam sequence, but I don't remember if they were filming in Vietnam or if they were filming somewhere else. But uh, so the work, the, 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 the rules around what is like safe and how long you can have people on set and at what times and under what conditions and especially children were a lot laxer. Mm -hmm. And he took advantage of that. And so is actor Vic Morrow. He's carrying mm -hmm. two kids. They're going to get on a helicopter. Just freak accident. Helicopter destabilizes, swings down, blades kill all three of them stop yeah obviously all kinds of legal trouble uh-huh uh, his career was like ruined he spent like a, a fortune in legal fees trying to not go to jail for manslaughter he didn't by the way but his career was tanked so he was effectively blacklisted that aside every, everything i've ever heard about him from even before this happened is he's a huge asshole so i have no idea but now we come to the juice the tea yeah some fluid <laughs> How many climax points? <laughs> I'm going to ding myself. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So in 1988, Coming to America gets made. A gem of a movie. It is. It's very good. Also, Eddie Murphy is funny in that. So he I guess he changed funny. his mind. This is, yeah, this is, don't get it, don't like it. Anyway, John Landis directed that movie because, uh, so I think Coming to America was a thing that Eddie Murphy had. Like, it was a script that mm -hmm. he had, you know, his maybe his uh, uh, agent had gotten for him. Something. It wasn't like the studio called him up and was like, hey, we want you for this movie. It was like a, a story that he brought to whatever studio. So he had more creative control. He got to choose the director. They're like, who do you want to work with? Whatever. He recommended Landis. They had been friends, or friendly at least. They traveled in similar circles. Uh, John Landis directed the Thriller video famously mm -hmm. like that yeah too. i knew that so you know they both knew michael jackson they traveled in similar circles they were friendly and then the twilight zone movie thing happened and apparently landis harbored according to eddie murphy in this interview i'm about to read from playboy 
<laughs> I read for the articles, guys, and I'm going to prove it now. <laughs> All right. I'll just read the, uh, the interview here. So Playboy asks, you could have directed Coming to America, but didn't. Why? Murphy says, I wanted to help out director John Landis. I figured I'd give the guy a shot because his career was fucked. He wound up fucking me. Playboy, what happened? Eddie says, as it turned out, John always resented that I hadn't gone to his Twilight Zone trial. I never knew that. I thought we were cool, but he'd been harboring this for a year. Uh, so I guess the trial had just ended before they started filming it. Um, he's like, every now and then he would make little remarks like, you didn't help me out. You don't realize how close I was to going to jail. I never really paid it any mind. Playboy. Did you think he was guilty? Murphy. I don't want to say who was guilty or who was innocent. Pauses. <laughs> but if you're directing a movie and two kids get their heads chopped off at fucking 12 o'clock at night when there ain't supposed to be kids working and you said action, then you have some sort of responsibility. So my principals wouldn't let me go down there and sit in court. That's just the way I am. Somebody in my family was guilty of something. I wouldn't sit there for them in a courtroom and say, you've got my support. Fuck that. The most it would be is, hey, you go work that out. I still love you. I'm still your friend. Fair. Right. Reasonable. Playboy. So you hired Landis out of friendship despite thinking he'd been irresponsible. Murphy. Yes, he'd done four fucked up movies in a row, and I knew he'd spent a lot of money on his trial. I went to Paramount and said, I want to use Landis. They had reservations. His career was fucked up, but I said, I'm going to use Landis. I like the guy. I used to always say that the one fun experience I had with a director, and he's like, I've worked with directors I really liked. Marty Brest, that's the first. Uh-huh. Right? Marty Brest. Walter Hill, Tony Scott, that's the second one. Mm-hmm. But my favorite experience was with Landis because he plays around a lot on set. I made Paramount hire him. Playboy, was he grateful? Murphy, he came in demanding lots of money. Paramount was saying, hey, come on, Eddie, we're getting fucked here. But I, <laughs> but I made them pay him his money. They uh-huh. bent over backwards. But after he got the job, he brought along an attitude. So this is on Coming to America, mm-hmm. just to be clear. That was in 1988. This right. interview is in 1990, and this movie is made in 1993. It comes Three? out in 94. Okay. Yeah. So I assume it's probably made the year before. Yeah. So this is five years or so. All this is taking place five years or so before they have to work together again on this film. Mm-hmm. And this interview is two years after that, three years before filming this, and he's still mad about it. So, like, it must have been great. Oh, a great I'm sure, environment. I'm sure that set was fun. Uh-huh. So here we go. Brought along an attitude. He came in with this, I'm a director shit. I was thinking, wait a second, I fucking hired you. And now you're running around going, you have to remember I'm the boss, I'm the director. One of his favorite things to tell me was, when I worked with Michael Jackson, everybody was afraid of Michael, but I'm the only one who would tell Michael, fuck you. And I'm not afraid to tell you, fuck you. And sure enough, he was always telling me, fuck you, Eddie. Oh my God. (laughs) Everybody at Paramount is afraid of you. Playboy, is everybody afraid of you? Murphy, I don't know, but I still figured, good. (laughs) Because there's no way they're going to respect me. They can't respect me. I was 26 years old. Imagine me in the office of a 50-year-old guy in a suit. Naturally, he'd look at me, a kid, talking about, I want to do it this way. And he'd say, yeah, right, sure, sure. And then on top of that, I'm this black man making demands. He'd look down his nose at me. So if I don't have his respect, at least let me have some fear. Let me have something. Again, reasonable. Fair. Right? Playboy. But Landis gave you grief? Murphy. It got worse and worse. (laughs) What first put a bad taste in my mouth about him was... After he hired co-star Shari Headley and all these other people, I said, I want to take everybody out to dinner. I didn't know anybody. But Landis grabbed Headley and said, you stay away from Eddie. Don't go near him because he's going to fuck you and ruin my movie. He just wants your pussy. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm thinking, wait, what? No. 
That has nothing to do with him being a fucking director. He's a control freak. Just assuming I was trying to get the pussy is one thing. And even if I was trying to get the pussy, for him to try to stop me from getting it because he was directing the movie, he's got a lot of nerve. Plus, it wasn't even about pussy. Yo, he was real high doing this interview. <laughs> Probably. It's 1990. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Playboy, did you confront him? Murphy. I kind of ignored it, but every day it was like, I told Michael, fuck you. It was that story over and over. <laughs> Then one day I had these two writers who did a screenplay for Coming to America with me. They were writing a TV show called, this is, I never, it's called What's Alan Watching that apparently Eddie Murphy was producing. I had to look it up. It doesn't exist. Nobody. That doesn't sound real. You know what Alan wasn't watching? This show. And neither was anybody. Who was Alan? They were writing this show called What's Alan Watching. My company was producing. They were at our location in New York and Landis was asking them, why are you guys here? They said, we're working on something for Eddie. And he said, the production's not picking that up. And they were like, no, 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 we're working it through Eddie's company. Right now, we're waiting for the deal to go through. And Landis said, so you're not being paid yet? The company should be paying you. Don't come to New York unless you're being paid. The whole crew is standing around. Extras, actors, everybody. And Landis starts screaming, don't be afraid to ask Eddie Murphy for his money. You go up and ask for your motherfucking money. I walked in and he said, Eddie, your company is fucking these guys out of their money. Guys, don't be afraid to go up to Eddie and say, fuck you. He's screaming about my deal making in front of the cast. Playboy, what did you do? Murphy, this is my favorite, maybe my favorite paragraph I've read all year. Okay. Murphy, I playfully grabbed him around the throat. Playfully. (laughs) The word playfully is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Oh, yeah. Put my arm around him, and I said to to Fruity, one of my guys. Fruity? Fruity. (laughs) Beerman mentioned to me, because he reread it after he sent me this Mm -hmm. thing. He was like, now that I read that, on the old Chappelle show... Charlie Murphy telling right, right, stories yeah. thing. In one of them, somebody's doing an impression of Eddie Murphy, and it's like shot from the back. Uh-huh. And he says like, "Yeah, Fruity, go get the car." Oh my god! And Beerman's like, "So you... that must have been like a real detail." <laughs> He's You're like, "I never right. thought about it." <laughs> as soon as you said it, that like triggered a memory. And I was like, "Holy shit!" So that's a real, that's a real detail. Oh my god, Fruity. Uh, I asked Fruity, one of my guys, "What happens when people put my business in the street?" And Fruity said, "They get fucked up." I was kind of half joking. Landis reached down to grab my balls, like he also thought it was a joke, and I cut his wind off. He fell down, his face turned red, his eyes watered up like a bitch, and he ran off the set. Fucking punk. Oh my god. (laughs) Playboy, did you go after him, Murphy? Nah, he came into my trailer later and made a big speech. His voice was trembling, and it all came out. He didn't think I was talented. Only reason he did coming to America was for the money. He didn't respect me since I hadn't gone to his trial. All this bullshit. All this fucked up shit. Called me ignorant, an asshole. Playboy, how did you take it? Murphy, I'm sitting there shattered. I'm thinking, this fucking guy. I bent over fucking backwards to get this guy a job. He probably won't even acknowledge what happened. He didn't realize that his fucking career was washed up. So I told him, the next time you fuck around with me, I'm going to whip your ass. His Hollywood shit came out then. He's like, what do you mean, whip my ass? That's not an ordeal. So I said, you're going to have to either give me some fear or some respect. I want one of them because this is my shit. You're working here. The only way you, you can fear me is knowing the next time you fuck up, you're going to get your ass whipped fine. But Landis was fucked up. He's like, is that net or true gross ass whipping I'm going to get? What kind of ass whipping is it? This is, (sighs) yeah, annoying Hollywood asshole bullshit. Now we've gotten into a pissing contest. Right. Playboy, would you have whipped his ass, Murphy? If he had fucked up again, I would have beat the shit out of him. I think that's true. I think that's probably true. Uh, there's, There's two more things. Playboy, even considering the consequences of a lawsuit and criminal charges, Murphy, the thing about an assault charge is that if you're going to do it, make it worth it. If it had come to that, me whipping his ass, just to clarify. (laughs) 
there wouldn't have been some headline like Eddie Murphy punches John Landis in the face. I would have beat the shit out of him, put him in the fucking hospital, almost killed him. Then when the headline read Eddie being sued for assault, I'd have said humbly, yeah, I did give him a horrible ass whipping. He deserves some sort of compensation because I did beat the shit out of him. Oh my God. Anyway, it worked out. He was afraid of me. He'll probably never admit it, but the motherfucker was on his fucking toes for the rest of the show and didn't fuck with me for the whole rest of the picture. And then... And then, this five happened. years later, they make a movie together, and it's this movie. So so now you have an actor who is like, this character is born out of action and comedy, but I'm going to chicken a whole half of that. I'm not going to do any real comedy. I'm not going to do characters. I'm not going to do voices. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play up the comedy of a situation. I'm just going to play it straight and be a cool guy, a cool action guy, because that's what I want to be now. It's the 90s. And that's what I guess I'm doing. And you have a director who I guess is probably still afraid of him and doesn't want to, like, push back at all. Right. And then you get this nightmare. Right. So that was that. That's my dramatic reading. You're welcome. It was very good. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks to Brian Bierman for sending me that because it's fascinating. Well, that's a good detail. It's it, a good little nugget of information. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's a funny story. And yeah. then also, like, it does inform things on this film. I just don't think John Landis is a good fit for this kind of movie anyway. Going to a like pure like action director, Tony Scott, like in the second one, is a better move. Because you can always just add comedy to well-constructed action stuff. Mm-hmm. Getting a guy who does like, like again, American Werewolf is a horror comedy. It's got comedy elements. It's, you know. But like, I don't think that would work with, no, and it I clearly think, doesn't, I think. I think his only input to this was more people should die. And yeah. it's just everybody dies in this. I mean, not everybody, but the opening scene is rather jarring. You know, like yeah. the guys are all dancing in the chop shop. Oh, yeah. that's actually one of the one of the highlights, actually. Yeah, I really like the opening part, but then that's a great dance. They all get killed. Oh yeah, everybody in the chop shop, everybody gets murdered. They all are hearing their friends, whatever cronies. They're all getting killed, and they're hearing it, and they're like popping up to see what's going on. And every time somebody pops their head up out of their little mole hole, yeah. they get shot. This happens throughout the whole movie, where people just appear where shooting is happening, right. and then get shot. Because, again, I don't think John Landis is a good... No. He, he cannot conceive of, like, what is an action set piece? What does that look like? How do how do, how do the people within it move? They don't. Right. They no just hide moves. behind something, and they stand up to get shot. Right. He basically directed it like it's, like, you know, a Western it's, from the 40s, where it's, it's like, I'm behind a barrel. Directing a slaughter. Right. It's like, I'm behind a barrel, and I lean out, and I get shot, and I go, Ugh, and I fall down oh, dead, yeah. like... There's a scene like that, too. The guy that's in the truck that gets shot, he, like, leans out the window, and he gets shot in the shoulder. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. he actually he, does yep. that. He does yeah. it. Ugh. And then he gets tossed. Also. And run over. There's at least, oh. at minimum, 15 times in this movie where Axel could have just been killed. Sure. And they just keep him alive. Yes. They're literally holding a gun to him. This guy has already killed anyone who gets in his way. Right. Or shot them. I mean, ruthlessly. Even like, Uncle yeah. Dave. Yeah. yeah, Uncle Dave. They <laughs> shot legally, not Walt Disney. Right. They Roy, shot. I guess Roy Disney in this oh, case. Yeah, whichever. Yeah, they shot one of the most beloved, like public figures, right, in downtown L.A. Yeah. At ten o'clock at in, night. Yeah, right. yeah. And nobody saw it. Nobody has any. There were more more people watched Eddie Murphy put a banana in a tailpipe in that first fucking movie than watched Walt Disney be shot in the street. Right. There are so many times where they have him. Like, the bad guys yeah. have hold of him right. and let him go. Right. They've just tried to kill him. Now they have him in their lair. 
And then they're like, all right, this time. I'm just like, no. We're going to bargain with you. Right. And there's a scene. In in going back to Austin Powers, Dr. Evil, when he brings him, uh, Austin Powers, back to his little. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Seth Green is like, just kill him. He goes, I have a gun. We can can end this right now. We can do it together. Yeah. They could have killed him. There's that scene where he goes back to Wonder World and he's got the slip of paper. And he's trying to save the girl. Yes. And they get him in that room. And they're like, you know, you have that slip of paper. It's in your car. It's in your whatever. He's holding a gun to him. And he even says, oh, I could kill the two of you. It would be done. But doesn't. So do it. So do it. At one point, when you said that, I was like, that's true. And I was like, well, let me interrogate my memory and be like, is that true? I know at one point they have him in the back office. They could kill him. But like Billy shows up, you know, the Uh the other two cops show up. Billy and Hector Elizondo filling in for Taggart. Yeah, for I was just like, oh, even Taggart was like, nah. Yeah, I was like, oh, they show up, and then I remembered. Uh, he buzzes his secretary. He's like, oh, hey, Bethany or whatever, call the police. And she's like, they just walked in. Yeah. So you have this guy. You want to kill him. You have every opportunity to kill him right now in a room nobody can see in, but you still were going to call the cops and have him taken away. That's crazy. Like mm-hmm. none of this makes any sense. No. And it happens multiple times. Multiple times. times yeah. Right. He was like, instead of shooting you in the street, I'll shoot Dave right. and frame you for right. it. There's that moment where he also could have killed him. What is his name, the bad guy? Uh, Ellis. Ellis. After he shoots Uncle Dave, they shove Uncle Dave in the car. And then there's like a fight that breaks out and yeah. Axel has a gun. Right. He gets a gun. He takes Ellis prisoner. Right. Hostage. Throws him against the hood of the car. And then just points the gun at him while he gets in the car and then drives off. Right. And I get that he was trying to get Uncle Dave to the hospital. Right. But, like, you could have, at minimum, shot him so that he couldn't catch up with you. Right. I said to Michael, and I actually stand by this, this whole thing is, like, the longest Batman 66 episode that's ever existed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Where, like, no one that everybody wants to kill gets killed. Right. Everybody else is collateral damage. Yeah. And there's a fight scene that happens... Billy and what's the girl's name? I can't remember. Uh, Janice. Janice is that Janice? Yeah. They get stuck in the like cold room. Yes. Okay. The archive. That whole build up. Mm. Yeah, that's like a Batman. It's a Batman fight scene. They just needed the automatopoeia. A big plexiglass wall comes down, and they're like, "We're stuck in the." Yeah, it's like Mister Freeze something. He's like, "What's this?" And she goes, "Oh, it's to keep uh, it's their vault, their film vault." Right. She gets to keep the film safe in case there's a fire, and then they're just like huddled together until I they. I they forget. finally get their way how out. I don't remember out? how they get out. All of this type of stuff happens so many times that it starts to get muddled. Where I'm like, how did they get out of that one? I don't know. No, how did they get it. out of this one? Yeah. I think that's a byproduct mm. of our star who is like, okay, you know, we talked about it in the other episodes. Like, you give Eddie Murphy this thing in the first movie, right? The script that was originally intended for Sylvester Stallone and was going to be a straight-ahead action movie. Uh-huh. And, cool. you know, and they're like, oh, it's going to be kind of funny. And it's like, cool. You give it to Eddie Murphy and he makes it a hundred times funnier. Because he leans into it. And he makes, you know, does character work. Right. And he's silly. And he plays around. And he comes up with shit. Like, it's it's goofy. And the second one is more of a straight-ahead thing, but he's still playing it like Axel Foley. Mm-hmm. So in all of his scenes, every option he, uh, opportunity he gets, he's Axel Foley. And in this one, they're like, okay, so he refuses to be Axel Foley. He's a different guy. He's closer to Cobra now. I guess we have to put in as much silly shit as we can. But, like, it's not the right tone at all. Like, no. yes, it's that. It's a it's a goofy, like, oh, they're stuck in a cold room. They might as well cut in there and they had, like, icicles on them. Right. Well, <laughs> and there's moments where he really could have leaned into Axel Foley. Like, when he's dressed like the elephant. 
And he's like waddling around. Okay. And somebody's like, hey, Louie, say hi to Irene for me. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah. And then he makes sees, his, the sees another elephant. So he goes, oh, hey, Louie, say hi yeah. to Irene. And he's like, will do. And he walks off and he realizes it's Louie. And I was like, that could have been really funny instead of just a like quick, like, I was like, oh, <laughs> previously in these other movies that would have been a whole skit right mm. eddie murphy would have been like i'm gonna pretend to be this guy so let's have that guy in the previous like scene mm-hmm. say a lot of shit that i can then like work off of right mm-hmm. well and have the elephant who appears in the room right we, i get your joke here it's the elephant in the room right it's very good funny sure. have him create a problem like hey oh you know what are you doing you know we're not supposed to be back here or whatever right. and then he just axel foley's his way out of it right or have yeah, you know he, have he him see the other foley his way out of a lot of things no yeah. no no he shoots his way out he of shoots stuff his way out or runs time, yeah and it's not as much fun no it's straight it's straight action it's, movie stuff and it's yeah. not a great action movie and there's only moments where he's funny and it's only like chuckle funny rather than like full-out laugh like which we did with the other one. The first movie makes me laugh so hard. Yeah. It's literally why we did two more this year. Right. We were like, oh, I enjoyed this so much. Let's do the rest. Yeah. (laughs) And it just doesn't do it. He he falls short all the time. There's a couple of moments where he's funny, like the giant gun. What is it? Annihilator 2000? 2000, yeah. Where he doesn't know how to use it. And it starts playing like Jerry Lewis and he makes this face and then it shoots off like a bottle rocket or something. Yeah. It takes out a whole concession stand. Right. Yeah. It blows up a concession stand. <laughs> and that's kind of funny. Sure. Like It's a good gag. There's more sight gags than anything, though. When he does blow that up, there's like all of the toys, the stuffed toys are in there and they all explode. Yeah, they're all on like, fire. That's and... kind of funny. Yeah. Or he pulls the... The gun out of the popcorn, like the guy's hand is in the popcorn and he pulls the gun out of it. Yes. Like, all right, that's funny. But there's nothing, like, he isn't funny in this. No, not really. And the little bits of humor that they drop, I think, are mostly written in or directorial. Right. If you swapped in anybody in this movie, it would be the same movie. Yeah. If you swapped in anybody else in the other two movies, it would be a different movie. Correct. Right? Like, this is, he's just a generic action protagonist guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, the one that, when you said Agreed. one moment of... Axel Foley-ism in the very beginning because mm-hmm. the movie's old, and that's the other thing it breaks with tradition mm-hmm. the other two movies have Axel Foley undercover as a fake criminal mm-hmm. right this one he's setting up a sting on a chop shop oh in Detroit yeah and when he goes up to the door and he's like is this the illegal chop shop he's like because I got four cars I think he says yeah and he's like they're my wife's cars but uh he's like I gotta teach the bitch a lesson so I took them or whatever yeah. he's like, you, you, you chop them up for me like whatever he's almost doing like full-on Axel Foley but he never really quite gets there the only other scene that's close is when he pulls up to the Beverly Hills police station and yes, yeah. it's like this absurd automated automated system press one it's like for, an IVR you know, to get yeah. through the gate press one to continue it it's like in welcome English. to Beverly Hills yeah. police yada yada press one to continue in English Port Espanol press dos and then like this thing and that thing and yeah, it keeps the, going it's only three of them and the third one is Farsi yeah and he makes a face like <laughs> yeah, like press that's dose. the choice and then they never have a French option, but he hits something and then it all starts speaking French and he starts speaking French back to it poorly. And then he just parks the car and gets out and like he leaves the car there in front of the automated right. thing. It's kind of funny. But those things are like front loaded. So you think you're going to get more of that and, and then the, they don't really happen. And at this point in the movie, it's still pretty early. We're 
under 20 minutes in. You're like, okay, first scene is okay. Mm -hmm. It does what it needs to do, which is like set up why he comes back to California. Okay, going back to the police precinct and we're, oh, you know, we're meeting Billy now has moved up. And it's like, okay, this could be something. Billy's got a ridiculous acronym he has to keep (laughs) saying every time. And like, you're like, yeah, yeah. But he knows it because he's Billy. Right. Yeah. He's got, and like, he's so overjoyed to explain the details of his job and his Mm -hmm. responsibilities. And like, that's all very Billy. And you're like, okay. And he even goes to the, to the park. Even that scene is a little Axel Foley. It's not quite there, but it's a little bit. Yeah. But then once he gets in the park, the whole movie just like loses all Mm -hmm. steam, all flavor. And it's just like, fine. And you just coast for the rest of the movie. He has a little bit of chemistry. With uh, Teresa Randall plays yeah. Janice. Like, they have decent chemistry, they, but they only really have, like, three scenes together. It really doesn't go anywhere. No, no. It's not enough for, like, an actual subplot. Not like in the other two. No. No, like, there, she, he has more chemistry with the girl in the first one that he's not trying to sleep with. Right. Mm-hmm. They just are like, oh, we're, we're playing around. The scenes are fun. Like, we, yeah. we're having a good time. And this is just like she's doing a good job of flirting with him and he's doing a good job of i guess being amused by that and like kind of flirting back but he's not even turning it on there's a scene where they first meet that drives me nuts where he just like appears in the yeah and she starts telling him all these things and he's like what's that do what's this do and she's telling him and showing him giving away company and i'm like and then she turns around and goes how did you get in here and he goes oh you're right i have a meeting i gotta go what she's terrible at her job well yeah but also like she's not at all concerned or startled by him it's right. just weird a random man who you've um, never seen in a restricted area hey maybe it happens a lot i mean maybe yeah into some shady shit it's fair my favorite part of this whole movie are the little like disney world easter egg ripoffs or disneyland okay. easter egg ripoffs i mean because they is, have this is your this is your film here it's true they have the utilidors yeah that that cements what this is this is disneyland right disney is the only theme park that i know of that has utilidors for the listeners those are like oh it's the underground tunnels where the the staff goes especially costumed characters so that you don't see them coming and going out of character right using the bathroom right they take their breaks they get changed uh it allows the staff to travel pretty quickly from one, one end of the park to the, to the other because yeah. you don't have to deal with people you just go through these big underground right that's in, where all the murders happen yeah in the event of like an emergency right. they can get to you faster underground than above ground. Right, having right. to deal they with they all probably the have like carts and security. They do. They have around. like little yeah, yeah. carts and stuff. So anyway, there's that. And like as a Disney cast member, you're not really to like eat on company property. You go to the utilidors. There's like a cafeteria down there. And right. Like whatever. You're not supposed to be seen not working. Right. You're not a mascot. You are right. Donald Duck or your princess whoever yeah. or you're this guy. Like they're trying to keep this immersive, magical. Right. Thing. and i get it so there's that but there's also in the dark ride portions the one where she is showing him how it all works alien something yeah mm-hmm. is a direct ripoff of a ride called the Backlot express it okay. was in hollywood studios at the time it was called mgm studios okay it was supposed to be the kind of ride that you would go through and they would show you all of the stunts that would happen like in movies so they would show you it would be like riding through a movie set right and there's a scene in a canyon where an oil tanker or something comes down like it falls off the side of the canyon and it catches fire and then there's all this water and 
it's an exact replica yeah. of that, but it also takes pieces from the Great Movie Ride, which was in the same park, that had an alien sequence with okay. Sigourney Weaver, like a Sigourney Weaver animatronic. Oh, man. And an alien animatronic that came down through the ceiling. Awesome. So anyway, all of those things are like... Mashed into this. Yeah. So yeah, what this is when you see it, like Eddie Murphy has snuck into the park. He is in the Utila corridors. He, he watched these uh, you know security guards go, or maybe it was Ellis, one of them go into like a tree uh-huh. and so he follows them down we'll get to it but they ruined uh axel f in this they like oh yeah it's mm-hmm. like it's got like breakbeat shit in it for it's, no reason it's, not it's good. bad and it takes too long to show up it yes ta- yeah. it just, it just takes and too long they don't even use it in the spider scene by the way like their big action set piece doesn't use the theme of the movie good call it's also like higher pitched or something yeah it's they re-recorded right. it and it's not good yeah so but he's sneaking around they probably are playing it now but it's like a sneaky version because uh-huh. they kept doing that and yes, he just ducks into a random room. Maybe it's to avoid security. He sees like yeah. security up there. He ducks in. Janice is in there. So he just has to bluff. But again, he doesn't do it in Axel Foley way. He just goes, oh, what are, you, what are you doing? What's this ride? Hi, hello. And she goes, oh, hey, no problem. Random person that doesn't have a pass on. Right. Like, right. Sure. this would be a great time for him to have to like smooth talk his right. way in. For him to have to do Axel Foley shit. Right. Where he's like, oh, I'm making a delivery. Or like, oh, I got lost on my way to the bathroom. Or, or like... He's a ride inspector. I'm a ride inspector. a safety inspector. issue. Right. Like... Right. I'm undercover boss. Like anything. Right. Like any bullshit lie. Or like, if you see my kid around here, anything. Yeah. But no. So she shows it to him. It's... Yeah. It's like a uh, 8, 12 person, like, passenger mm-hmm. little buggy thing. They're on a track. Looks like a train station. The ceiling drops down. And it's uh, the street above. And it's, yeah, this oil tanker that slides down. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, it catches fire. Catches fire. Cylons are there, just straight up Cylons. Yeah. They didn't do. They didn't like paint them different or no. stick any. They didn't stick a magnet on them or anything. It's just like nope, just two Cylons. They're firing lasers. They're going halt, stop. We're aliens or whatever. Yeah. And then a bunch of water comes down the subway steps from above. Right. And it's like the alien invasion ride or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's basically it. And everybody goes, yeah. Yeah. And back in the booth, Eddie Murphy goes, "That was cool. Our scene is done now." And she goes. I find you attractive. And he goes, agreed. I must leave. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. It's really, it's really, They, like I said, they have a little bit of chemistry. She's like, you know, kind of flirting with him. But then she does go like, hey, why are you here? And he goes, oh, you're right. I have a, an appointment. I got to go. Yeah, but they fumbled establishing that chemistry, I think. Yeah, the that, first scene is like their least chemistry in yeah, the well, film. Right, yeah. And I think that they just got off on the wrong foot. It's, it's yeah, it's poorly written. Yeah, like you, really bad. As a, like, as a writer, you want the first scene to be the one where it's like, oh, they clearly like each other. Right. I mean, they couldn't have even played it off where, like, he walks in and she is so, like, enamored with him that she doesn't even think, like, oh, he shouldn't be here. Right. Like, she could have, like, this, those typical, like, moment where she sees somebody she likes and, like, everything sort of freezes and everything's like muted. Oh, sure, sure. It's the you know? it's the Wayne's World. Uh, right, right, right. Play Dreamweaver. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everything yeah. gets muted, and like everything in the background fades, and she just looks at him. Right. If if you want to convey that she's super into him because he's so good looking, which Eddie Murphy's a little good in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. She could then she could be like awkward and stumbling over her words. And, right. Like, and then and then she could like come to her senses and be like, wait, you're not even. What are you doing back here? You're not supposed to be here. None of that happens. She's just like doing her job and he just appears. Also, usually in these scenes where Axel Foley has to like bullshit his way through a thing, it's to like accomplish something for the plot. Like specifically, like Mm -hmm. he'll have to lie to somebody so that he can pocket a thing that they're not paying attention to. Or he has to like do this to avoid, you know, A, B or C or 
But in this, like, it establishes a plot thing, but there's textual plot, subtextual plot. Like, usually it's textual plot. He, We know what his objective is. But in this, it's subtextual plot where it's establishing what this ride does because later this ride is going to be the center of a dumb action sequence. Right. And we're going to have to be familiar with it so we're not caught off guard by like, wait, how did he know water was going to come down those stairs? Because he's right. already seen it. It's so... He already got a tutorial the moment he walked into the... Right. It's so clumsy. It is. Well, and it could have been done in any fashion of ways. He right. could have just literally rode the ride. Right. Also, not in a million years are you going to the gate of a theme park and asking to speak to anyone. That's not how that works. The people who run the gate at the theme park don't know anybody up top. No, he should have like, gone up to the gate and been like, hey, can I? Um, can you get a security advisor? Like, I'm supposed to have a meeting. He just says it as if he walked into the reception of a building. Right. And it's like, that's not how any of that works. Right. You think the ticket taker is like, oh, right here. And she even is like, well, you're not on my list. I'm like, there's no way the ticket girl has a has list. Has a list. for No, that's not a thing. That's what security is there for. Right. She's not security. She's a ticket taker. Right. That's cr- I was like, that's stupid. It, it literally seems like they took it out of a script where, yeah, it's, it's right. a nightclub or something. Yeah. Right, like, do you think that you can just, like, contact Jeff Bezos? Do you think you could just do that? <laughs> My Amazon delivery was wet. <laughs> right. Get Jeff on the phone! <laughs> See, Axel Foley could get Jeff on the phone. Axel Foley could bullshit his way into getting Jeff Bezos on the phone for a wet Amazon. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. <laughs> this box is wet. But four. not this, but not <laughs> They want to make it. Yeah. Mm. Well, they wanted to make it a TV show for a minute, too. Yes. Which I was firmly against. Yeah. Axel didn't want to do it because he thought he was too old and he didn't want to play. I like that he's Axel now. Yeah. (laughs) Axel didn't want to do it. Axel didn't want to do it. Eddie would have done it. Eddie would have done it. Axel didn't want to do it. Axel plays it too straight. Axel has integrity. (laughs) Eddie Murphy made Meet Dave. (laughs) We were just talking about Bowfinger. Bowfinger. Thank you. So it's got such a great cast, and it's horrible. It does, does, yeah. How? It's because it's about Hollywood. Yeah. And that always attracts people who work in Hollywood. They're like, yeah, this industry does have foibles we can exploit for comedy. And it's like, I don't work there. This isn't relevant to my interest. Is it Heather Graham, right? I uh, think so. Steve Martin. Steve Martin, Martin. yeah. Heather Graham sounds right. And like, there's there's another person who plays like, because Eddie Murphy works with Steve Martin in it. But I think there's like a, we're all Googling Bowfinger. This is the most Bowfinger's yeah, ever been Googled. The, most only action, thing, yeah. the only thing that initially came up was Bowflex. <laughs> it's going to start trending. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Heather Graham, Christine Baranski, Jamie Kennedy. Couldn't, couldn't have told Christ. you. Robert Downey Jr. Terrence Stamp, Robert Downey Jr. This is a good, this is a good cast. Must be Terrence Stamp that I was thinking of. Is that the one where he crosses the street? That's like the uh, big. Yeah, the highway. Uh, it's like a, um, it's basically he's crossing the 405 in L.A on foot yeah and for a movie right and he's just doing it and steve martin has assured him that there are stunt drivers that are trained not to hit him but you have to make it look real so try to dodge them right like that's how they know that it's you so like you have to you have to really commit you have to really run out into the street and as like whatever you fucking year that came out whenever i saw 1999 so 99 so i was like firmly in my teens i saw that movie not in theaters but like once it hit tv and watching that scene i was like bullshit that would be like a thousand car pile up because people would swerve. Right. They wouldn't just be like, boy, I'm just going straight and hope it don't hit them. That's yeah. not what anybody right. does when they see a human being on the freeway. Fun fact. Do you know who directed that movie? I do not. Is it Landis? No. Would you like, oh, a, ge- you, would you like a guess? You, you got any guesses? I don't. Actually, I didn't see it. Frank Oz. Huh. Oh, wow. Frank Oz has a very varied career. Yes, he does. They are not old. 
winners. No. Do you think it would have been better if they were Muppets? Yeah. 100%. I think he needs to stick with Muppets. Yes. 100% that would be a better movie with Muppets because then he could have gotten hit by the car and the Muppet would just fly. We need to do a whole spinoff side podcast where we just talk about movies if they had been done by Muppets. <laughs> movies, but with Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> Moopies. Moopies. <laughs> Moopies. It's an M, a U with an umlaut. <laughs> And it's in the font for Muppet Babies, so I have all the letters I need. Muppet Moopies. Muppet Moopies. (laughs) And we will record it with Muppets. Muppets. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We'll build a second table a couple feet up above this table, and we'll just keep talking with our It's in my blood. I could probably do it. (laughs) It's the family business. Oh, fuck. This is a good idea, actually. I know. It's a great idea. <laughs> Muppet movies. Ooh, do you think we can get Muppets made of, like, us? Muppet uses? Yeah. So, well, this is getting a little too meta. Hold on. <laughs> so and then they have smaller having... Muppets. <laughs> are, yeah, right. yes! are you talking about... The Muppets have Muppets! <laughs> are you talking about Muppet versions of us that are recording the podcast about... Moopies! Moopies, which are movies... <laughs> about Muppets. Muppets! That... Should have been made Should with have Muppets. Had Muppets. Yes, 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 yes. We could be Muppets so we're holding, holding Muppets. Muppets. Yeah. You know, in the that's where we are in, in yeah. this whole... Yes, that's where we're that's at That's where now. I've always it's, wanted to be. It's Muppets all the way down, as they say. Um, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. This, this is a very good idea. Muppet good movies. <laughs> this podcast is a good idea. I know. I've only had one bing, but I think this is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Two dings, one bing. <laughs> Muppet movies. Tiny Muppet Bell. <laughs> oh, it could be like a bike bell. It could, yeah, a little ding ding. Oh my god. It's made of felt, though, so it just like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it'll be like ASMR. <laughs> it's a whole other audience we're not reaching on our loud ass podcast. <laughs> oh god. Muppet movies is a good idea. This movie would be better with Muppets. 100%. 100%. What movie wouldn't, wouldn't be better right, exactly. with Muppets? I don't want to see, like, filthy Muppets, though. You know? So, like, no Boogie Nights Muppets. Uh, no Boogie Nights Muppets. Uh, I mean, there is an audience for that. I know. I've seen now two films I, where that... Two, two and too I, many. And Hold I on. know of a third. Does it have to be Muppets all the way down? Can it Can it <laughs> be... <laughs> How many climax points? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what if... <laughs> What if we considered movies where Muppets made an appearance? They weren't, like, they didn't take oh. over the, the... So... Like, the Muppets do Manhattan, the Muppets do Beverly Hills Cop. Right. You know what I mean? So like that. There that is a very popular, like, internet prompt of, like, remake a movie, everybody is Muppets except for one person, you pick who. Like, that's the, uh-huh. you know, like Michael yeah, Caine. Yeah, I know those, you know. yeah. Uh-huh. So there's a famous thing of that, but somebody was like, hey, the opposite <laughs> of that. You remake a movie, everybody's the same except one, one person, person is, is a not Muppet. A Muppet. <laughs> one person is a Muppet. Is a Muppet, okay. And it's like, what movies do you do? And there's, I've never read a thing where I wasn't like, that is a better movie. Like, literally right. anything you can name is better. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, Inception, but like Tom Hardy's a Muppet. You're like, he's only in like four and scenes of that movie, and it's already a better yeah. movie if he's played by a, a Muppet. Like, how many minutes has to happen before it's a Muppet movie? Or how many Muppets does there need to be? Right, this is the like... The Martin Short train is here. Yeah, the Martin Short train <laughs> snuck <laughs> in. How does the train <laughs> sneak they in? They couldn't get Tom Hardy, so they just made a Muppet of him. Yeah. <laughs> and they just didn't say anything. They yeah, yeah. Like, They're like, Tom couldn't make it last yeah. minute. <laughs> right. 
travel visa issues. So, but we do have Felty or whatever. <laughs> but how many minutes makes it a Muppet movie? Is, or how many Muppets? How many Muppets? I think probably has to be at least like it has to be the larger half of the cast. Do you think? Yeah. Right. I, I would think it's, it can't it's, be a Muppet uh, movie with like two Muppets because no, that's a, a Muppets. Muppet, well, those if are they're the Muppets. leads, if they're the clear leads, okay. and it's a movie structured around the two of them. Then yeah, like if you made Face Off, but Nick Cage, Cage and, and John, John Travolta, Travolta were Muppets, okay. that's a Muppet movie because yeah. they are most of the movie. What so if it's just our, wait, Nicolas Cage? I'm I'm probably drilling <laughs> drilling down a little. That's too far actually here. a better movie. <laughs> it is right. No, that's not. I'm not even because shitting John on John Travolta, Travolta. Then takes over the Muppet right. face. But the scene where they swap faces <laughs> is infinitely and one of them much funnier right. automatically. <laughs> right. Automatically, they have a laser remove his face, and then they go over, and it's just somebody with a scene ripper removing a Muppet. It just inherently makes it a better movie. It is. There's an explanation in Face Off where they're like, oh, we have to, like, laser off a couple of pounds. We have to add hair. We have to take away hair. We have to remove this thing. And it's like, oh, well, now we have to cover his entire body in felt. Face off, but one guy is a Muppet is like the greatest idea I've ever heard of. It's two things I didn't think I would like that I love, like two things I loved I didn't think I would like together. Oh, yeah. Well, now, here's the other thing. Holy is it, shit. Is it, <laughs> is it, a, is it called uh, felt off? Felt off. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Thank you. Also, I just want to point out that with no communication between the three of us, we all decided that if you're going to remove one guy, it's not Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it's John Travolta. <laughs> Who's going to hold their own against the Muppets better? It's definitely it's Nicolas, Nicolas Cage. Cage. Oh my god. Physiologically speaking, he's yeah. probably that's probably the best option. He's going to do the best I'm a Muppet inhabiting a man's body performance you've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. He will exit every every scene like <laughs> doing okay, Muppet well, arms. So here's here's my other question. So is it that a Muppet takes over the role, the exi- like of the actor. Like for instance, he plays John Travolta as the other half of Nicolas Cage. That's or what I was thinking. Is it Kermit is in it as Kermit? As Kermit, but he's like he's the other half. See you know that gets I mean? that gets dodgy with Face Off because the other he has to be a, a criminal. He has to do criminal things. Well, then you get into Russian Kermit. <laughs> That's true. They do have a contingency yeah. for criminal. They Kermit. do. He's just Russian. Yeah, that makes sense. It has a there mole. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the Spock goatee thing. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So you can tell them apart. that hat that he was wearing in uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> Jill? I forget their names, but it's something like that. I'm crying. Or but like The Rock, but like Fozzie Bear is one of the Navy SEALs. <laughs> yeah, Fozzie Bear works with... It's <laughs> Fozzie's like carrying the thing of the green gel yeah oh no (laughs) it like gets stuck his tie gets stuck on it stuck on it (laughs) guys i don't know how we got from bowfinger here but frank harris is yelling at fozzie bear (laughs) we came up with a great idea for a podcast that will require a lot of work but i think be very rewarding and dare i say profitable i think we should probably yeah lots of angles we can do like a what if episode. Let's do a parallel universe episode. Parallel universe, but Muppets. But, but make Muppets. it Muppets. Right. Everything everywhere, all at Muppets. <laughs> Jurassic Park, but it's like add Rolf. So we're just adding Rolf to everybody. Yeah. yeah. What is it? Any existing Muppet is now. I can literally see the gears turning in <laughs> Tina's head. <laughs> Amended well, into I the love movie. making things work with Muppets, especially Jurassic Park, because then there's dinosaurs and and Muppets, Muppets right? Oh my god, I'm a big fan. No, we'll just throw George Lucas in it. Yeah. Oh, oh wait, yeah. we're oh, back. We're yeah. back. 
Let's talk about oh, that. Nice one. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks That's for reeling, for, for <laughs> reeling it in. Reeling yeah. us in. We have a connecting. We have a connecting thread. Okay. George Lucas, mm-hmm. Yoda, Frank Oz. Frank Oz. There you go. There you go. To the uninitiated, there's a cameo by George Lucas. Yes, in this movie. there is. He is. He plays <laughs> disappointed man. Yeah. Disappointed is that what they credit man. him as? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was close. I thought it would have been disgruntled park, park goer, goer or something. Plays yeah. disappointed man. He's credited in the credits not as George Lucas, but as Gentle George. Gentle George, huh? Yes. But that is the John Landis of like, oh, I'll, I'll put in a bunch of fun cameos. This is a West Coast, like, this is the one thing that I always wanted to like John Landis is he was a big nerd. He was big into old movies, serious nerd shit. Uh, you know, like the famous Monsters of Filmland, that magazine, like all the guys that were obsessed with special effects, creature effects, makeup, you know, those guys. In fact, he put Forrest J. Ackerman, the guy that created and ran that magazine for his entire life he put him in the movie he's uh you know at the when when axel is um you know wanted for killing or for shooting uncle dave yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he goes into a bar to make a phone call and the news comes on and mm-hmm. it's like we're looking for this guy they all turn around and look they, at the... they all turn everybody at that bar is a cameo from like these old hollywood like movies like, oh i didn't realize and that. like b movie things so forrest ackerman is one um Oh, Joe Dante, director of, like, Gremlins and the Burbs, is okay. the jailer. Oh. When Axel and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the two of them are in jail. And they just leave Billy in jail? Yeah, they leave Billy in jail. They, they bail <laughs> Axel out. Stephen McHattie bails him out. And he's yeah. like, hey, uh, Axel, you gotta leave this guy alone. Um, I'm confused about his character, too. Yup, doesn't make any sense. That because... Would, that would be why you're confused, Tina. Because he he was in on the whole thing, wasn't he? Yeah, this Or was movie... he pretending... No, he was in on it. This movie, this is a movie that has twists just to have twists because if you watch it knowing who's in on it, right. it doesn't actually make sense that they let him get away with it for, they, they, they let Axel Any, get away yeah. with it for so long. Oh, all these connected people would have just killed him and hushed it up. They wouldn't have just like, right. yeah, that's Joe Dante and uh, Arthur Hiller is there. Peter Medak is there. Yeah, it's like 10... Ray Harryhausen. One of them is Ray Harryhausen. Really? Yeah. Which one is Ray Harryhausen? One of the guys the Also, bar. did he have anything to do with the animatronics? Because that would totally check out. <laughs> no, definitely not. He didn't work on it at all. He's just credited as, like, bar patron. But he didn't do animatronics anyway. He did stop motion, Stop right? motion, yeah. And John Singleton is one of the firemen. No. Yeah. Isn't that a welcome back to the show? It is. We still have to figure out how many Michaels. Oh, I know how many. <laughs> Yeah, no, I guess I could do them now. I could do them. Okay, so welcome back to the show. John Landis, the director. Welcome back to the show. He was on episode 89, Clue. He was the writer. He was one of the writers on oh, Clue. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Technically, welcome back the Supremes. <laughs> They're yeah. not actually in the film, but, no, but... the guy's dancing in, yeah. the, in the chop shop in the beginning, dancing to Come See About Me. You know, that's a Supreme song. They uh, did the theme for episode 20, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. Did they? Yeah. It's great, too. Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. Oh, wait. Okay. That sounds familiar now that it's you've done great. the Bikini Machine part. Gilbert R. Hill plays uh, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy and Judge Reinhold were all in our previous episodes 101 and 109. That's Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Mm-hmm. Judge Reinhold was also in episode 53 because he's in Beethoven's 3 and 4. Yes. Bronson oh, Pinchot, yeah. who played yeah. Serge, also Not detergent. Beverly Hills Cop. The woman known only as Simba, with a Y. She plays the gun model in the video for the Annihilator uh, 2000. Simba with a Y, huh? Simba with a Y. She's in episode 72, Last Action Hero, where she plays a model. Philip Levin, who is uh, Serge's assistant, played a different guy in the first Beverly Hills Cop. 
named Donnie. Huh. Isn't he Donnie in this? Do they call him Donnie? Yeah. They're, they're two different credits, so I was like, he must be a different character. No, they call him Donnie. So he worked with him at the art uh-huh. gallery, and he was like, oh, he come be yeah, my yeah. assistant. Come still be my assistant while I sell guns. Yeah. Hey, hello. Come <laughs> sell guns with me. I can't even do I can't even approximate it's it. It's so insane. I, I, I end up sounding like weird it's, Swedish nonsense. It's a little Martin Short in Father of the Father Bride. Father of the Bride. That's mm-hmm. a good call. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Let's see. William S. Taylor, who plays Spider Rider, one of the guys in the Spider. <laughs> spider Rider. Spider Rider. Spider Rider. Monday, Monday. Monday, <laughs> Monday, Monday. Where do, where do they hold uh, demolition derbies? I have in no New idea. Jersey yeah, in New Jersey somewhere. In Jersey. <laughs> Monday, Monday, Monday. In New Jersey somewhere. <laughs> Someplace Spider New Rider. Um, he, in episode 99, Hot Rod, he plays Riot Singer. Riot singer? riot singer? They start walking through They're doing like a Pat yeah, Benatar uh-huh. riff, but then like a riot breaks out. It gets out of hand. Yeah, that yeah, must yeah. be what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, George Lucas technically also welcomed back to the show because he was the producer and the idea man behind episode 47, Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah. John Singleton, welcome back to the show. He played a firefighter. He was the director of episode three, Four, Four Brothers. Brothers. That's right. Lana Banks, credited here for some reason as Sexy Chic. Mm-hmm. There's no K on the end of it, so it's not Chic. Episode 72, Last Action Hero, where she played movie house patron. Al Leong, car mechanic in the beginning, mm-hmm. uncredited. Episode 72, Last Action Hero, where he played Vivaldi Gunman. He's also in episode 96, Die Hard, where he played Uli. <laughs> and the last is Thomas Rosales Jr., one of the mechanics in the beginning. Also, Last Action Hero, he played Vivaldi Henchman. A lot of Last Action Hero crossover. Yeah. Another west coast movie yeah i guess yeah. that makes sense i mean they must be casting out. out of the same place right. and, yeah, yeah you got a lot of the same casting directors right um, and maybe they were made for the same studio i don't take those kind of notes kind of a niche genre back then i mean it was huge but yeah yeah it if, was very specialized it, right and if you're hiring only a handful of people that were working in that field so. right if you're hiring like oh i need a couple of big goons to hold mm-hmm. guns and be the bag yeah it's like oh Bring some guys in, and your resume has like gun goon on it. You're like, oh, cool. Right. It me. Right. Gun goon. It me, gun goon. <laughs> What's the photo that goes with that? Because that's got to be a meme. <laughs> okay, it's me, the gun goon, commissaire. Mr. Bonks. Mr. Mr. Bonks. <laughs> ah, well. Yeah, they're the same character, maybe. It is. I'm going to have to watch Father of the Ride just to be like, it's so good. how close is it? Because in my head, close. it's the same thing. Now. Yeah, it's real close, and it's so good. Should we do Father of the Bride as a future episode? I would like that, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen those movies in a long time, but I remember liking Cause, both of them. Because there's two of them, Two of them. Maybe and, three. And a remake, and I think it's based on a French film or something? Is that true? I think so. Father of the Bride is an adaptation of Father of the Bride, okay. which came out in 1950, and it was a Spencer Tracy film. Oh, it's okay. It's an old Hollywood film. It's yeah. Not, okay. Elizabeth oh. Taylor, Joan Bennett. I've never seen it. Me either, surprisingly. I'd like to though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised. You we should do yeah. the original, and then the Next new, and to then the new Father yeah. of the Bride, mm-hmm. that's, and then that's the remake, idea. and then the remake, remake, and the remake, remake, the tree make, because another remake makes tree. <laughs> See, we're already Muppets. Already, yeah. This is, that's a fucking Fozzie. That's the most Fozzie-ass joke I've ever made, and my life is all fucking Fozzie jokes. See? Already Muppets. Ah, Kermit! <laughs> yeah. So, the plot of this movie is that uh, Axel is doing a raid on a chop shop. During the course of this raid, one of the bad guys shoots Detective Todd, Axel's friend and boss. Todd dies. Axel vows vengeance, goes to the West Coast. I, I want... think he was already on the West Coast. No, they... no. 
No, they were in Detroit. Yeah, they were in, in Detroit. The beginning were they? The, yeah, the it just jumps scene. right to him driving up. Which makes no. no sense either. No. I, yeah, I guess like, you're right now. Ellis that you goes it. like, oh, I was at my beach house all weekend. Why the fuck did you fly halfway across the country to, like, supervise a crime? Like, you don't have oh. to do that. You're like, Ellis isn't, like, gunman the grunt guy. He's right. not the top guy, but he's too high up to be doing this shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, Axel is at fault for this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't actually take on any of the responsibility, no. which is unusual because in the other ep- the other episodes, yeah, the other movies, he does sort of take on some responsibility for these things, or he's at least made to re- to take on right. responsibility. He's the one that calls off the SWAT. Yeah, they literally bring handguns to uh, a machine gun fight, right? Because they thought well, they didn't yeah. have guns, but Ellis and his crew show up with. One, that's what it is. It's Wonder World branded crates. It, it's not even that. They open up suitcases, metal suitcases. Oh, okay. And there are Wonder World towels that's right. that the guns are wrapped mm-hmm. in. And that's how they get to Wonder, Wonder World. World. Right. N- again, nobody who's doing what turns out, spoilers, to be a counterfeit ring is also like, hey, can you use the towel with my face on it and my address? Right. Like, yeah, goes out. I got to go to Wonder World. I got to talk to this Ellis guy. He's the head of security. Hector Elizondo knows him. Like, if the movie didn't just hand him this shit and he had to do any detective work, movie might be a little better because it wouldn't just be like, well, we already have all the pieces 20 minutes into the movie, mm-hmm. and now we have to kill 40 minutes before we can resolve the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they go there. Ellis is obviously the dude. Axel knows it. He knows Axel knows it. But instead, again, instead of wiping him out, he's like, ah, we'll just scare him off. It's the dumbest bullshit. It's a whole cat and mouse game. Right, for nothing. It's the Batman-Joker effect. They have to continue to coexist because otherwise there's no story. Right, but it's a boring Batman and a charisma vacuum Joker. Yeah, neither of them are interesting characters. No. There's one good scene between the two of them, and it's Ellis is getting honored by the... Oh, yeah. He gets a little Axel Foley in that. He does, and that's maybe the most Axel he gets in the whole movie, and that's why I laughed at that scene. he's still so serious, though. It's not as silly as it would have been, but it is Axel. It feels the most like Axel. So Ellis is getting, it's like a private security man of the year award or something. And that's where Serge is. He's got like a booth set up. I guess they're having like a convention and they're doing this award show. And Billy accompanies Axel to this, having already met Axel previously and knowing that Axel's definitely going to like fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. And he just goes, Axel, please. And like Billy, of course, Judge Reinhold, the, the pretty damn good Judge Reinhold. Really fun in the other two movies. Trying his best here. He's got nothing to work with. He's got nothing to work with. And he's carrying the movie, which is like not a him movie. Uh, no. A movie built on Judge Reinhold is a different movie, a different pace, different jokes. Like, he's trying to be the comedy backbone of this movie. And it's just like, it's too much for him. So he's like, please, Axel, don't. And he's like, uh, don't worry. So they give Ellis this award. And then Eddie Murphy starts clapping real loud. He's like, Ellis Duwald, everybody. Ellis Duwald. Mm-hmm. And like, he goes real hard. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's pretty good. I think I wrote down at least one thing. Because not a, not a night goes by, I don't think, about what I owe this man. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty good. It's a pretty good line. He delivers it well. They're up on stage. Ellis is standing there like, fuck, what is this guy doing? Um, and he says, uh, I'm going to pay him back with interest. Yeah. Ellis Duwald, everybody. Ellis Duwald. And he's doing that. <laughs> and then he puts his arm around him. He's like, he's like, yeah, smile now. Get all your smiles in because you're going to be dead. And then it just... Then it becomes a fist fight, which again doesn't feel like like no. Axel. No, Axel would embarrass him and then leave, and then but leave. it wouldn't just be a fist fight, tough guy fight. No, that somebody would pull him off stage, right. Fozzie Bear style, with a hook. Right, but, but like, he'd have something he needed. He'd like swipe something from him. Right, or, right. It would know. serve a pr- all the all his pranking shit serves 
this was right. there to... was not enough banana in the tailpipe. No, right. this... no, no, there's none. The this was an ego move. Right, it was a dick. This was yeah. yeah. This was like a I'm gonna take over your event. Right. You know that me doing this is me threatening you. Right. And we're gonna smile for the people while I do it. Oh, and the reason he, they even get into a fight is Ellis goes, "What's the matter, Foley? You mad? I killed your boyfriend." Oh, right. So it's like gay panic shit. Right. Yeah. Like how dare how dare you call Axel Foley gay? Hey, Axel. Again, I'm talking to the character Axel. Right. We did a whole podcast where we implied that might be the case. Oh, yes. And I still think it might be. It's a better read. It is. It's a better read. Hmm. Also, if you look at the stage and you see where, like, the front row is sitting and, like, how loud he says it, yeah, any yeah. person can reasonably see that, like, the people in the first row <laughs> right. definitely see, heard that guy say, yeah. are you funny. sad that I killed your friend? If this like, movie was funny, it would have cut to the table of, like, again, again, right. hey, John Landis, you put all your buddies at that table. Right. Yeah, sure. Ray Harryhausen sitting there building the puppet of a Gorgon or whatever, and he goes, yeah. like, hey, that motherfucker just say he killed a guy? Like, and there you go. That's a joke. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, Ellis is the head of security at not Disney World. He has a boss, I guess, who's played by John Saxon, the great John Saxon. He's the dad in um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah? Yeah. He's in a ton of movies. Like, he's an old, you know. John Saxon, the owner and caretaker of perhaps the greatest, most realistic series of hair pieces of any leading man in Hollywood. Because John Saxon gracefully, throughout the years, aged that piece down to match his actual hair color, like all the way through his, his, his life and that career. That is dedication. Yeah, I respect it. Um, yeah, he's a good actor. He's got a lot of gravitas. And yeah, he's like, I guess Ellis's boss. It's unclear the power structure here, you know. I, yeah, I'm still not sure, to but, be honest. Yeah, I mean, Close, the, I guess. Or maybe he's head of security and I Ellis is the security CEO or something. I don't know. And then there's Stephen McHattie, who is a, a good actor, been in a bunch of stuff. Um, he is the guy that most looks like Lance Henriksen in the entire world. Yeah, okay. Every time he pops up in a movie, there is a split second where I'm like, Lance Henriksen? Nope, Stephen McHattie. Like, so he is like FBI head something or other. His name is uh, Fulbright. His name is Fulbright. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Mm -mm. He's Fulbright. He's in like, he tells like Axel, like, oh, don't follow... Ellis that oh, killed your buddy in Detroit because we're on him for a big case. I can't tell you anything else. He's That's like it. the head of federal investigations. He's like an FBI. Yeah, he's like some FBI yeah. dude. Right. And he's trying to, you know, shake Axel early on. And then he just keeps showing up. He bails him out of prison, like we said, after the fight at the award show when he and Billy get, get arrested for this fucking riot. <laughs> he's like, Axel, you're ruining my fucking... <laughs> Ruining my uh, my case and whatever, and he's like, I don't care. Kill he's my genuinely a throwaway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And you then, could remove him from the whole thing. Movie's the same. Movie's mm -hmm. the same. Except at the end when he's like, Fulbright goes, "Yeah, Axel, we got your uh, your call, and we came as soon as we can." Uh, turns out they were partners, and he goes, "Yeah," and I found out who another partner was, meaning it's you, Fulbright. Right. And then he tries to kill, kill him. him. And nothing happens. It's like, but it's, yeah, he also right. he raises his gun so slowly. Oh yeah. That there's no intention there. No, no, it's it's just bad. It's not. No. It's a it's a twist for nobody for no reason. Like the movie's done, and it, none of it, it mattered. Done, yeah. It none of it mattered. Yeah, it's like one last dead guy. Like oh, so oh, everybody shit. leaves and he goes like last climax. Yeah, nobody cared. <laughs> Wasn't worth much. No. Nope. I think that one got negative points. Yeah, I think we should have thrown in the towel. <laughs> yeah. It was all full of climax points. I'm gonna keep digging myself. I'm so sorry. Uh. 
You're like, oh boy, I just I keep doing it. <laughs> just can't. Yeah, uh, that's, so that's it. It that's it. It's just yeah. all right. The big action set piece, like I said, is the spider ride. Okay, um, can we talk about yeah. how oh bad God. the fake Axel, Axel Foley, Foley is? Yes. Where he's literally just like hanging like a rag doll. Yes. It's ridiculous. Also, it's that man, bad. I would say conservatively, is a foot taller than yeah. Eddie Murphy and has a vastly different a hairline. Yes, the hair is Which weird. is like super noticeable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That whole scene was for what? I don't know. The spider to, scene? Yeah. So for him to be like... It's just a cool action scene. Like, right. And the movie needs one. It needs one, but that's not it. It was the big scene. I remember as a kid, I thought it was a super cool scene. Watching it again this year, I was like... It's kind of it's kind of boring. It's not super action. It's very long. So it's too long. It's a whole thing. It's yes. a long fucking scene with bad music all the way through. Right. That's it's the thing. Not it's even not Axel even F. their shittier version of Axel F. Oh my god. Bump 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 bump. And like bump, this bump. is supposed to be like how he gets away, right? Like from the security guards that are chasing him down, and they get him anyway. Like this is this was a useless scene. It I, made it was, no sense. The it only just, no. It was pointless. The Guys, only point... Axel Foley, who is like a decorated police officer, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to get away from these security guards by getting onto a ride. Right. Yeah. An enclosed... It's it's basically... It's one of those things that's like a Ferris wheel kind of thing, but you're in baskets. Uh, it's a sideways Ferris wheel. They call it a spider. I've seen it as the octopus in places. Yeah, the octopus is what uh-huh. I know it as. Or I've seen it at uh, parachutes, because yeah. sometimes they're designed to look like a, a hot air balloon or right. whatever. But yeah, you just sort of go around and whatever. And so the guys are like, bring him down now. And the kid operating the ride is like, I can't, but it will come around in like a minute. Just fucking wait. Right. And the guy goes, no. And he moves all three levers a bunch and sparks shoot out of it. And then it starts to explode. Yeah, it starts to like crumple. Everything, and everything breaks the chain. There's like a bike chain holding it together. Yeah. That snaps. Right. And then two children are hanging I out. I feel right. like the only reason for this. They didn't lock the kid's door. To their, yeah. to their basket. It, right. it pops open. The kids are hanging out. I think the only point to this was to be like, see, he's a good guy. Which would make more sense at the end of the movie after he's been, like, accused of attempted murder right. of Uncle Dave. This is, like, early in the movie. Also, like, I didn't track it, but, like, it seems like the ride goes around a lot. And I feel like those kids could have just dropped out at the bottom when they're, like, one foot off the... Yeah. And I feel like everyone standing there watching this happen, watching these two children dangle from a basket would be like, jump out now, jump out now, jump out now. And they would fall a foot and be like, oh, I scraped my elbow or I broke a finger or whatever. It's like, cool, but you didn't die. That's great. Yeah. You broke your wrist and you're fine. Right. And now we get to sue Wonderworld. Yeah. It's it's win-win. But so he goes around this thing a lot. Somehow he's, it finally gets like stuck. He's like dangling from a rope. He got a rope somehow, I forget. And he's like hanging. And then the basket that the rope is attached to starts to fall. But he hits the ground before the basket does. No, so I think I think the rope he's on is from a different arm. Okay. It and, is, yeah. Okay, higher up. And the basket like starts to fall. Now, I want to point out one thing. When the, the kids first, like, are dangling out, they have, like, a big stuffed elephant, one of the mascots yeah. from the thing. And it falls out, and everybody in the crowd scatters. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck you people. Right. You should have been like, oh, it's a kid, I'll catch it. Right. Not like, oh, it's a kid, I'm going to get out of the way. Let's let it hit the ground. There's right. two possibilities. It's a human body. Right. Ugh. There's two possibilities. You thought it was a kid, or you knew it was a stuffed animal. So if you're like, oh, everybody scatter, it's a stuffed animal. It's like, 
everybody calm down. You it's can just catch animal. it. It weighs right. nothing. But also, if you thought it was a kid, yeah, you should have been like, like I'll oh, get watch it. out. <laughs> right. Like, there should have been somebody down there who, like, caught it. It should have been George fucking Lucas, who was disappointed in line, who goes like, I got him. And then goes, oh, it's just an elephant. That's a yeah. joke. Mm-hmm. This also, is nothing. to your point, if they had done it the way that you had just said, where... You know, he then saves the kids while they're coming after him. Right. Then they look like assholes right. for tackling the guy who saved the kids from the malfunctioning ride. Right. But he saves the kids from the malfunctioning ride, and they take him anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah. What's it, what was this for? No. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean he, he says. doesn't escape. He. I mean, he he saves the kids. Yes, he saves the kids. That's he great. Pulls I mean, them both whatever. out of the basket. Their basket <laughs> falls. He's like starting to climb down the rope. Sees the basket fall. He drops. It's hilarious because it's like two stuffed, you know, like right. fake well, kids. And they also uh, drop too far from the ground. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, you yeah. guys wouldn't be unscathed. No, he's breaking ankles. Right. Um, uh-huh. But I love, it's like he lands, he's got these two like frozen stuffed children tied to him. And he like runs out and then the basket falls. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh boy, 12 year old Hunter or whatever. Like, uh-huh. you remembered this wrong. Yeah. It is not the, the highlight of the film. But what is the highlight of the film? The credits. Speaking of the credits, that's what I was. Going How many for. Michaels? How many Michaels? Oh, it's time. I got to. I got to educate. I got to uh, formulate my guess here. Yeah, you got to get yourself in the right state of mind. Oh, let's just real quick play the music. How many Michaels? How many Michaels? <laughs> According to experts at babycenter.com, Michael is the 17th most popular boy's baby name in the U.S. in 2023, up 16 places from last year. The name's popularity peaked in 1970 with roughly 46,000 babies out of every million babies named Michael. As of 2023, roughly 4,000 out of every million babies is named Michael. So let's play How Many Michaels? All right, let's play. Uh, what are your guesses, cast and crew? All together. All together. Eight. Eight. All right, Michael. 10. Right on the goddamn button. Wow. 10 total. It's in your blood. I, I, I didn't even look it up. See? I, I really didn't. And I was so, trying to do prices right rules closest without going over, yeah. but. Right on the button. Now, how many in the cast? How many of those 10? I'm going to say three. Okay. I'm going to say five. Five? You said three? Yeah. It is one. One. Wow. <laughs> Michael Bowen played Fletch, which is just one of the henchmen guys. Okay. In the crew, Michael Seymour is a production designer. Mike B. Brooks is one of the prop makers. Michael Tadros, put a, put a pin in that name, mm-hmm. uh, is the executive in charge of production. Uh, Michael W. Moore is a prop maker. Michael A. Tice is a uh, special effects technician. Mike Gunther is stunts, one of the stuntmen. Uh, Michael K. Davis was a camera and electrical equipment rigger. Michael Neal, location manager, and Michael W. Broomer was a driver. Excellent right. work, Michaels. Or, I mean... Decent work, eh. Michaels. <laughs> you, brought us, you brought us Beverly Hills Cop 3. I'm willing to believe that you all did your best. There you go. Michael Tadros, mm-hmm. executive in charge of production. I was like, hmm, that's interesting because one of the other things I did, because I knew we needed to have something to talk about on this episode, mm-hmm. was get the names of all the mascots. So we know Okie Dokie Elephant, mm-hmm. because 
Axel Foley dresses up as him. Right. There is also Prescott Pig, Rufus Rabbit. Axel Fox. <laughs> Later, yes. Meyer Lion. Okay. Meyer. I'm guessing it's MGM. MGM, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the MGM. Lion. But yeah. But for a second, I was like, is that like Meyer Lemon? I yeah, like, that's that what, what I was is? thinking too. But then I was like, no, I bet it's Metro Goldwyn Meyer. Yeah. yeah. Copycat with K's. Okay. Little Bear, L-I-D-D-L-E, Little Bear. And then mm-hmm. Big Bear. Floyd Fox, which means they just were like, you're fired. You're Axel Fox <laughs> they, now. Floyd. They rebranded him. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Mr. Peanut died. He's Baby Peanut now. He's Baby Nut now. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> that happened. You know that, right? Baby Nut? Did you not know this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like two years ago, they were like, there was a commercial where Mr. Peanut falls off a cliff and, and they're like, is this the end of Mr. Peanut? And then like, Two weeks later, when everybody went, who cares? Yeah. Planners was like, here's Baby Nut. Y'all need to have rethink. How come nobody, nobody nixed that idea? No one was like, you can't call him you Baby Nut? You can't call him Baby Nut. If you Google <laughs> Baby Nut Urban Dictionary, you are going to find some bad things that you don't want associated with your peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Um, yeah, that was a real thing. Baby Nut is a real thing. I'm not Googling it. <laughs> if you put planners in front of it, it's probably no, fine. You, they'll put you on a list. I'm sure. <laughs> the whole planners corporation is <laughs> on a list. So there is uh, Tippy Turtle. Speaking and- of things not to search for, <laughs> Turtle Dicks is one of them. Turtle Penis. Mm. Merry Christmas. Except we already searched for that. I'm so sorry. At your, le- at your leisure. Yeah. And then the last one, and most confusing to me, was Tadros Gorilla. Tadros? Tadros. Right. Uh, Michael, Michael Tadros, an executive in charge of production. So I'm guessing that was... They gave him a gorilla. Yeah, either an homage or a dig. Either he did a good job or they were mad at him. I bet you he was the one that's like, make me a gorilla. Make me the gorilla. <laughs> call yeah. me a gorilla. <laughs> call me a gorilla. It's the only way I could come. Unless all the How other... many climax points for the gorilla? Baby nut. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, that can't be fucking real. They're really going with baby nut? And I was like... <sighs> I'm not crazy, right? Like, if you Google baby nut, it's the Urban Dictionary thing is like, tonight I'm going to put the baby nut in her. Is like, the th- and I was like, anybody could Google this. I'm not like special at Googling. I'm like, oh, I used my Google foo. It's like, anybody could find this. This is right there. And they rolled with that for about six months. And then they were like, Mr. Peanut ages at a rapid rate like Benjamin Button. And now he's a teenager and it's cool. And we'll never say baby nut again. And now he's like an adult again. It's been like a year. They're doing so. weird Groot shit. Dude, it's like, it makes no fucking sense. It's just to have anything happen. Yeah. It's n- crazy. Mr. Peanut didn't have to do anything at all. I can't Nothing believe I have to, to say happen. this right. like out loud, but Mr. Peanut did not have to die. Thank you. <laughs> you know? Think of the children. R.I.P. R.I.P. Peanut. <laughs> Waka waka waka! <laughs> oh god! We'll be right back with Loopy Movies <laughs> after these brief messages from Planters Peanuts. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh my god! <laughs> All right, Peanut. <laughs> At least we got a new sticker out of it anyway. <laughs> I think we've covered all the bases, haven't we? Here's just the thing. I, you know, I wasn't like scrutinizing this film. I'm not looking for, I'm not the cinema sins asshole who's like, oh, let me, whatever. I'm not that. Yeah. But I was watching this movie and um, 
when a movie draws your attention to something and then they don't pay it off or they contradict themselves, mm -hmm. I can't help but notice it. And it's well, weird. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Axel's dressed as Okie Dokie Elephant. And there's a really funny thing where, like, a kid is like... Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, he there's kicks two him into the kids. Yeah, yeah, there's two little kids, and the one's like, do the Okie shuffle. And he's like, Okie dokie, Okie dokie, Okie dokie, Okie. And the other kid is actually really good. The yeah. older brother. Yeah, the not, little one is not great. No, he's fine. He he's, does a real terrible fake laugh. Right. He is what I think of as, like, child actor, like, average yeah. child. Where it's like, you're cute, technically, so that's why they hired right. you. But the other kid is actually pretty funny, because he's, like, scowling uh -huh. in a weird, like... That's not how you do it. It's like this. And they never cut to, like... You never actually see no, what No, it never cuts like. to, like, a full no. body shot. We just appears, see... He appears to do the same exact dance. Thing, yeah. yeah. Back just... and forth. Because, again, yeah. John Landis was like, I don't know anything. It doesn't matter. Axel threatens him, and he's like, he's like, you can't say that to me. I'm going to whatever. And he pushes him in the fountain. And he's like, Grandma, okie dokie, push me. Mm -hmm. But I was like, that's kind of a funny scene. That could have been a thing. That yeah. would have been an Axel thing. But so he sneaks inside. This is when we find out that uh, it just randomly cuts to him in the suit and we know it's him and we're like, okay. And then we find out that Janice got him in and she's helping him. So they look at a map together and he goes, can you tear that page off for me? She does. Folds it up, puts it in the collar of his suit. Okay. Then he goes to where he's got to go to. He takes the suit off and he climbs up and he gets in a, a, a fucking An air, air shaft. Air shaft. Yeah. yeah. A ventilation shaft. And he pulls the map out of his back pocket. And I was like, how? There's no way he got that from in his collar of his suit into his back pocket. But then why would you draw attention to it? Right. Why even have him look at the map? Have him just, okay, he looked at the map. He found out where he was going. We never have to see that. Right. It, we it's never fun. have to mention it. But then they have him pull it out again and he gets, so he can consult it. And I'm just like, it, that doesn't make sense. And you drew my attention to it. Now I can't stop thinking about it. That's impossible. His yeah. arms aren't in the same part no. of his body. And you where don't the... see him put it in his pocket when he takes the suit off. Yeah, all he has to do is like sluice out of the suit and bend down and pick it up. Right. And I'd be like, fine. It's just terrible. It was an afterthought. This is a good time for him to pull out that map. And it's like, yeah. okay. It's bad. Like, And the writing and stuff in this is like not good. Like Weak. It, it's like, really bad, right? You know, this, like, this fucking Simpsons, right? I mean, not that it's like the greatest show on television anymore, but for years it probably was. It's up there. Mm -hmm. They spend so much time coming up with just like a joke for the name of the ice cream store in the background mm -hmm. that we, we're never going to talk about. Right. That like they, the, the writers of this couldn't be bothered to do. Like every, the, the, it's fantasy, sorry, it's Happy Forest is the one, and then the one of the other rides, it's like Happy Whatever. They're both Happy Something. Yeah. And then it's like Alien Invasion. Like, they're just like the most basic. They yeah, the even dinosaur write... one, I think, is in the what time of dinosaurs or something. Or right. Land of Dinosaurs. Right. They couldn't even bo be bothered to come up with like, what would be a thing that sounds like a ride? Or like, maybe we can make a, a pun or a joke or like... Right. Happy Forest, doesn't matter, who cares? It's like, what? Yeah, exactly. Also, Let's there's a bunch of the taxidermied <laughs> animals in that. Yeah. Which I was like, that doesn't... Hey, Mom, how come some of the animals in this park, like Okie Dokie Elephant, are, like, alive and, and fun moving. and moving around? And these animals aren't. Then they smell like death. Right. Um, uh, well, Billy, uh, Mom, why do I have to contemplate death now? Why right. do I have to contemplate in my own mortality? In the Happy Forest? This is the worst eighth birthday ever. <laughs> Well, I mean, is there anything else we wanted to no, talk about? No, I think we need to round it out. Yeah, I think, like, I don't even have, like, usually I have, like, something to go back and mention that I like. The minister at the funeral at Floyd's, uh, uh, oh, Todd's funeral. Oh, the sings. Uh-huh, right. Sings. sings Amazing Grace or whatever. That is Al Green, that's right. Shit. I saw that, and I, I yeah. It is. That's, that's Let's Stay Together, Al Green. Yeah, no, that's about it. That's it, that's the movie. Billy's thing is. 
the DDO JSIOC, which is the he's yes, the deputy director of operations for Joint Systems Interdepartmental Operational Command. He starts to explain it too, and like and none of it matters. Yeah, what it is is like uh, how many like who get who is in charge of something that happens in this part of L.A. when the guy travels to this part of L.A. Right when you cross jurisdictional yeah. lines, uh, then you know who's what cops are enforcing like this, yeah. you know, whatever. And he's like, I'm the one that decides that. Good for you, Billy. This is great. Great. <laughs> great stuff. Well, also, like, he calls in a million people to the beach, mm-hmm. and there's nothing in the truck. No, it's an empty truck. Oh, right. It's a bunch of shit that goes nowhere. It's, yeah. That's that's the joke, though, is, like, they there's all those guys, and they open, and there's nothing in there. And it's supposed to be funny, I guess? Hate watch or great watch? Since, I mean, this was ultimately my endeavor to do all three. I will go first. Uh-huh. And this is... This is a hate watch. Yeah. It was bad to rewatch it, you know, the beginning of the year, and now here we are almost a whole year later, and it's not better. No. I'll give it this. It's not worse than when I rewatched it at the start of the year. Okay. It's not like, oh, knowing what happens, it's so much worse. It's like, no, because all the problems are the same problems. Like, it's just Uh like, it feels tedious. Yeah. Axel goes from the park to his hotel room where... Janice and Uncle Dave show up and fill him in on they don't know what's going on. Right. And then, I don't even think I clocked that it was his hotel room. Yeah. I didn't even know where they were. And then back to the police. Yeah. And then back to the park. And then back to a random street so that Uncle Dave can get shot. And then back to the police and back to the park. And yeah. it just bounces around. It's nothing. And yeah, like we said, ultimately it's counterfeiting. They're using the idea of like Wonder World dollars. Disney dollars. Right. As a cover. Um, so that if they can explain why they have a printing press and all this shit, and it's because they're counterfeiting money. That's it. I yeah. have Disney dollars at home. You need to check them. Maybe they're, maybe they're actually them. 50s and 100s. Maybe, yeah. Wolf. Yeah. No. Hate watch. Hate watch. Uh, Michael. Yeah, it's going to be a hate watch for me. I, I was going to be so bold as to say it was a, a great hate watch, but it's not even that. It's a hate watch. Yeah. It's kind of boring. Yeah. It's kind of too it, boring to be like a fun no, day. No, I mean, and honestly, the only thing that I found to be highlights were the scenes with Surge. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not enough Surge. And I can just, like, YouTube those. I'm not going to watch this movie. Right. <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> YouTube Surge is a five-star film. <laughs> So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a hate watch, unfortunately, because it's I mean, in terms of the whole series though, from start to finish, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, as a franchise? Yeah. What do you think? I think I think you know if two out of your three movies are good, like really good, that's a net gain. Like yep. yeah. that's more than a lot of franchises, really. So, is it a hate watch? Yeah, but like for me, my gauge on hate watch is different. Is it sure. the smokers hate watch? Absolutely no, no, not. no, no. No, this is a could movie. I yeah could I watch this again yeah do I want to not no, really no, yeah and I think when you are going into watching the third movie of this franchise you have expectations mm-hmm. and that makes it worse if this were a standalone movie it might actually rate higher for me I still don't think it's good no I see what you're saying yeah without being like oh Axel Foley if you're like oh this yeah. is this is and if it wasn't called, you know, Beverly Hills Cop Three, if it was called like Wonder Bucks, yeah. a thriller yeah, starring right. Eddie Murphy. Right. You'd be like, it's like, doesn't really make any sense, but No. I mean and they stole the name from Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> yeah. Axel they, yeah. Foley? What? There's a lot <laughs> of keep calling him Axel Foley. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff missing here. And the biggest is Axel Foley. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. That's the problem. 
it just falls flat and there's just no good reason to watch this for two hours. Yeah, no. I really can't recommend it. I can't encourage anybody to watch it. Yeah, a lot of times I would say like, oh, if you're watching the franchise, you watch the first two, you might, you as, might well. as well watch it. I, actually, I think no. Yeah, I would be like, nah, skip it. Watch Bowfinger. Watch Bowfinger. <laughs> watch <laughs> the Muppet off. Bowfinger. Muppet Bowfinger. Um, no, I think it actually kind of mars the first two a little bit. Yeah, it's a it's a sour note to end. Yeah, on. where it yeah. just kind of makes me feel like that that wasn't where I thought we were going to end up. And like like I said, they want to do a fourth one. They might be filming it. I remember earlier this year finding what looked like set photos. Eddie Murphy again in the in the. I kind of remember Detroit, that too. You know, yeah. jacket like maybe, but I don't know what came of that or if anything's coming of that. If you're gonna do a fourth one, he's gotta be fun no you gotta be silly you gotta be goofy you gotta be axel foley there are you know there are certain things that present themselves as story tropes of a specific franchise over time Mm -hmm. and like yes him doing characters is one but it's him doing characters for a reason not for no reason you know like he doesn't just do it because there's a scene and he's in it he does it because he's like oh i have to bullshit my way through a b or c to achieve whatever it's how he maneuvers through the movie right those first two movies and like in this one he doesn't do any of that Mm -hmm. which is also the wrong way to go you can't go to either you can't do it just to do it you can't not do it he's got to do it and he's got to do it for a reason like that's a very it's a bedrock thing of axel foley as a character and i feel like the first two movies are actually iconic like they hold places Mm -hmm. in pop culture that are frequently referenced like people there are things you know about beverly hills cop that you didn't know was from beverly hills cop sure yeah you know. Yeah, I think most of that's the first one, but the second one second is second one. There's a little solid, bits of it too. Yeah, yeah. it's a solid the th- follow up. The third yeah. one just didn't need, just didn't need to happen. No, no, they should either not done it or waited till anybody was into it. Yeah. All right. Well, Tina, if you'd like to direct people to your endeavors. Yeah, you can follow me Instagram Tina Dylan Art. I'm also on the Hate Watch Great Watch link tree, that is so true. you can find me there. And you can find Hate Watch, Great Watch on my link tree. And you could just like Inception cycle forever. Just keep clicking. Mm-hmm. Just click forever. That's all I got. So you could uh, email us at yeah. W-R-I-T-E, right? H-W-G-W at gmail.com. Get basically all of our things, including you can just click the contact us link on our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash H-W-G-W. And that's everything. That's where to contact us, where to stream the movies, where to find the episodes, it's Tina's link tree is linked on there. And some of our favorite guests, um, like side hustle jobs, are also linked on there. So you can click all of those. Support the friends. Support the friends. Support the Movie John Patreon. You can find episodes where we're on other podcasts. Stuff like that. It's all fun. And I found, like I said, link tree is apparently infinite. So it's just going to keep getting mm-hmm. bigger and more unwieldy. And it's great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you guys for coming out uh, mm, and doing you. this on this rainy, rainy day. And um, I guess that's it. That's it. R.I.P. Nut. R.I.P. Nut. Thank you. It's a 21 bell salute. Is that the final number of climax points? <laughs> That's it! So I'm going to wipe off the bell.
You're just upset that I made a Limp Biscuit reference. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, more than any implication. We haven't spoke about Hoobastank in a minute, and we are yes, the, the number best. one Hoobastank podcast in yeah. the nation. Mm-hmm. It's the only Hoobastank. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have to. We don't have to put too fine a point on it. No. Sort of puts a tarnish on our awards. <laughs> they should. They should pay you back with interest. <laughs> with interest. This has been a Movie John podcast. Who's there? The mayor. Hello, the mayor. He comes to visit his constituents. He's sneaking oh, around. Hello. Smelling my keys? <laughs> Smells like keys. <laughs>